Once I'm locked in and focused on the positive, I honestly think I'm unstoppable. So I think in moments like that, it's where it kind of clicks, and I wish it would click a lot more. But in moments like that, I really enjoy that I get to showcase God's talent. Welcome to another episode of Bringing the Culture, where we are creating content related to high school and college women's basketball in Oklahoma and in Texas. Um, I'm your host, Gerard Richardson, just your average fan who loves the game of basketball and watches a ton of it. Um, my guest today is Analia Don, senior guard for Oklahoma City University here in Oklahoma. And so in high school, you were a 5A state champion in Texas as a senior. Um, you also played Division One basketball at Butler for a year, and now you're at Oklahoma City University about to start your senior year and, like, head towards graduation and getting that college degree. And so how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on here. For I really appreciate this opportunity. For sure. Um, today you had weightlifting, so how was that? It was good. It was smooth. Um like I said, I'm coming off of a hamstring injury, so it was a lot of upper body, but it was very productive, very smooth. Yeah. How do you feel, like, being so close to the season starting? So most teams are, like, 50 days away from, like, the start of the season. Right. And so, and you start practice on Monday officially, and first so how official. does it feel to be so close to, like, practicing the season being here? Um, It's kind of shocking, nerve-wracking at the same time, just because I feel like this year has flown by. Like, it was like yesterday was just August. Now we're about to enter into October. But um, it's exciting. Um, You know, all the work that you put in over the summer, all of, you know, the grind, and this is where it's being showcased at. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, first thing I'll ask is kind of what I ask everybody is just if you had to explain your game or tell fans who have never seen you before play, what kind of player are they going to see in you? Like what can they expect to see from you in a game? Um, <laughs> I am a attack, penetrate, make um, plays for my teammates, get my teammates open first. Um, but, of course, um, with my experience throughout my whole career, if I need to knock a shot down, I always knock the shot down. When the clock hits 10, if we are like, what are, what are we doing? Like, yeah. we need a bucket. I'm going to go get the ball, and I'm going to go get a bucket. Yeah. So I hear you saying, like, you look for the pass first, and then, like, if the pass is not there and shot clock's winding down, then you're going to be aggressive and, like, try to make a play and try to score. Yes, sir. Yeah. I would agree with that. And so watching you play, I think the first thing I see is that you are a good passer. Mm -hmm. And so even though you're a little bit shorter or smaller than some of the other girls, like, you can make every pass on the court, and, like, you get the ball out of your hands quick. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when the ball gets to you, you're definitely swinging it and, like, trying to make the right read and the right play. Mm -hmm. um, second thing I think I know is watching your games too and something you told me about like right before we started the podcast was like you put your body on the line mm -hmm. and so I see you take a lot of charges or try to, try to take a lot of charges which is very bold because like your body like pays the price for those charges right. but that's like a good teammate taking mm -hmm. those charges so I noticed that as well I also would say you're a good like um, on the ball defender too mm -hmm. and so anytime girl has the ball on the perimeter like you do a good job of getting your hands up and moving your feet and like defending 
Thank you. Uh-huh, you're welcome. <laughs> and last thing I'll say before we move on to just give you your shine and your glory is just like you play to win. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things you do sometimes that don't show up, on, show up on the stat sheet. And so like you might make a pass and then the girl might pass to someone else and that results in a score. Mm-hmm. Or you might make a good rebound in a timely moment. And sometimes those things like won't be like big stats on the stat sheet, but it definitely like helps your team win games. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the beginning of your journey. Um, you come from a basketball family. I know you have older siblings that play basketball or played basketball. Um, how was it growing up in a family that like played basketball so much? Uh, it was competitive. Um, there would be days that you know they're outside hooping, and I just want to chill inside. But yeah. they'll come in and be like what are you doing? Like, get out here, come shoot with us. And then I think the most memorable moment will be when my sister, um, she asked me, like, what What do you think your biggest struggle is right now? And I think I was maybe five, six years old. Like, I was little. Yeah. And I was like, um, my left hand. Like, I always hear people in the crowd, make her go left, make her go left. <laughs> and I can go left, but I'm definitely going to cross back over to my right. Yeah. So, um, she was like, okay, let's go. So we went outside to um, the sidewalk, and she taped my right hand and just made me do a, co- a couple drills with my left hand. And then she also did the Allen Iverson drill where we wrapped a bag around the ball and just did ball handling with the bag around the ball just so I could get a better grip on the ball. So mm-hmm. it's just memories like that where my family, I think, implemented, like, if you want it, you can go get it, but mm-hmm. you just got to put in the work. And how old is your older sister? She is six years older than me, so now she is 26 years old. Okay. How was it like at five or six, like having that pressure to do drills and like try to get better? Like, did you love the game at that age and want to play the game at that age? Or Yes. I, I would say that I love the aspect of the thought of being an athlete. I don't think it was so much I love basketball. It mm-hmm. was just whatever I, whatever sport I'm doing, I want to be good, I want to be good at. So like my yeah. dad, his nickname was Scooter, mm-hmm. and which because he was fast on the track so that's where that came from so like it in track it was I want to be first all the time in volleyball it was I want to hit the ball as hard as I can and so in basketball it just came natural just because everyone in my family that was just like our tie like we really connect with basketball um it was kind of like our therapy there was always goals around there was always parks around our house so like anytime we needed to go shoot or wanted to get something off our minds that's what we did so I think that's kind of where the tie came from of I just want to be a hooper. So I think once I hit, like, recreational or, like, even YMCA league and stuff, that's when I was like, yeah, I want to hoop. Was there ever any pressure to be good, like, knowing your siblings play? And they play at, like, a pretty high level and Mm -hmm. were, like, really good players. And so did you ever feel pressure to, like, keep up with them or try to be as good? I know when you were probably, like, got to high school, everybody knew your name and, like, knew what your (laughs) brother and sister had done already. And Mm -hmm. so did you feel that pressure of being a Don following them? Yes. High school for sure. Um... I felt a lot of pressure. I would deal with a lot of comparison, and I would tell my coaches, like, we're two different players. Like, don't compare. Like, I love my sister to death, but we're two different <laughs> two different players. And then my brother, on the other hand, he, for the longest, um, held the record for the most points. So it was like, as I just said, like, I'm not a score first type player. Yeah. So it was like people had that caliber on my brother and they were like, mm-hmm. well, you know, but then again, I was just like, we're just different. Like we're all different. We're good at it. We're all mm-hmm. different. We all have our different strengths. So I think the pressure was, um, the type of six or like the level of success that I could reach. So my sister was on varsity her freshman year. So it was, 
expected. Yeah. AD, you got to go be on varsity as a freshman, and fortunately I wasn't until playoffs. But um, I think it was good for me to stay goal-oriented, to keep pushing, to keep my, you know, my dreams ahead of me. That way I wasn't getting distracted with, like, other things around me or, like, my friends that weren't weren't athletes. They were, you know, doing what high schoolers do. Yeah. So I think having that type of pressure, I just try to channel it to positive more than, oh, this is weighing me down. So that's what I did. Yeah. That's a good approach to take as well. Mm -hmm. One, like, not having the expectation of being them. Like, I'm my own person. I'm my own player. And so, like, her game is not my game. Mm -hmm. Like, as a coach, you're going to have to adjust to my game and, like, right. how I play. Like, I'm not my sister. Right. And, like, one question for you, like, kind of talking about what you said is how old is your brother than you? He is three years older than me, so he's 25. He okay. just turned 25. Okay. So they were, like, pretty much on their way out of school, mm -hmm. like, when you were coming in then. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Like, I was – when I was a freshman in high school, he was a senior. Okay. So I'd see him in hallways yeah. every now and then at lunch. But other than that, yeah. Okay. And so you grew up in uh, Amarillo, Texas. What was the basketball scene like in that part of Texas? There's a lot of talent in Amarillo. You'd be surprised. You know, West Texas, I feel like they – we bring up the the mentally tough athletes. Um, there's not a lot of resources down there. There's not a lot of connections. Like now we are on the maps. Now um, I know a lot of people that have went D1 or went to a major D2 school. Um, but before my high school career, it was you have to go the JUCO route to be seen or get recognized. Um, so I'm glad that a lot of us have made it out so that we can help the youngins, you know, get seen and get looked at. And, uh, you know, now it's a little easier just because there's a lot more show show showcases that they can attend to showcase their talents. But when I was growing up, like, pass the ball wasn't a thing. You know, yeah. some of the showcases here in Oklahoma City, they weren't a thing. So it was kind of like you have to go to JUCO. You have to, have to develop in the areas that you're struggling with to be able to get seen. So I would say that, like, it – there's a lot of talent for sure, but I feel like the resources we have now, if we would have had them a little earlier, there would be a lot more success. Yeah. But I think that's, like, um, good of you and all of you that, like, blazed the trail for everyone mm -hmm. and kind of, like, made the trail for everyone, like, by you guys playing and playing JUCO and then going on to bigger schools and, like, mm -hmm. doing bigger things on a higher level that kind of paved the way to let people know, like, Amarillo basketball and West Texas basketball. It's, mm -hmm. like, competitive basketball, and there are going to be good athletes coming from there. Right. Let's talk a little bit about just your journey through high school. And okay. so, like, what do you remember most about the journey of high school and, like, your freshman year through senior year? Um, My freshman year um, was probably my utmost favorite year just because – I was a freshman in varsity. I mean, I was a freshman on JV, but I started, and that was when I began to, like, understand the role of a point guard. I am not very talkative. I'm a very introverted person. Mm -hmm. But um, that's, I think, when I started to accept my role of, like, okay, you have to come out of your shell. As a PG, you have to be talking 24-7. Yeah. Um, expand my memory of you have to know where everybody is supposed to be at all times. Um, and I think... I enjoyed that challenge because I was, again, on JV, but it was a level of – it wasn't too much for me, but it also was a challenge of talent versus talent isn't going to be enough. Like I had mm -hmm. to – you know, my heart had to be in it. My mind had to be in it. I had to stay focused. So it was a it was a good challenge my freshman year. And then, of course, my senior year would be right next to it just because we were state champions. Mm -hmm. um, that squad will forever hold a warm place in my heart just because internally we – went through so much like you know as girls 
in a locker room, you're going to yeah. go through it. Yeah. But once it was time to cross the, the line on the court, like, we knew we had each other's back. So I would say the state run, like, we ran into a lot of teams that, you know, just wanted to bicker, battle, bicker, battle. And then after games, there was a lot of a lot of that commotion going on, but we stood by each other. And I think that's just, like, the beauty of the game. You, When you're a part of a team, you're a part of something that's bigger than you. You are a part of a, a different type of family, but – to see the progress, see the success. I think we went 42-4 and four that season, so it was amazing. Yeah, I thought you only had two losses that year. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably getting them confused, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it went 40-2, and two, if two. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty hard. And yeah. so, like, Oklahoma, you don't play that many games. Usually, mm-hmm. usually you can win a state championship with, like, 25, 30 wins. But yeah. Texas, like, makes you grind and play mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, the girls that you played with on that senior team, how long had you played with those girls on the court? Um, I'm trying to think. And so, like, did you guys go to the same middle school and, like, come to the same high school, or did you come from, like, all different places? So there were two big middle school teams for basketball, and it was Crockett and Bonham. So, But they all fl- uh, flourished into Emerald High. So mm-hmm. a lot of the girls, we really competed against each other for majority of our careers. And then once we get to high school, it's now we're on the same team. You know, now we get to go demolish other teams together. Yeah. Um, so majority of the, the team or the girls that were on the team for my senior year, um, I would say they were really a lot of underclassmen. Like there was maybe six seniors um, on that squad and then the rest were underclassmen so like we didn't of course we wouldn't play against them in middle school because we were different ages but um I think yeah there was six of six seniors and uh the rest were underclassmen so it was just when they developed and they got to varsity it was let's get better in the areas we got to let's you know leaders lead the rest just follow the way and we knocked some doors down and got a state championship yeah um, how hard was it? So one thing you talked about before, like we got on the podcast that I want you to kind of tell people about is like, how hard is it to get out of the region and even make it to state? It's tough. Um, I think the way the region is set up is if you make it out of the region, you have a good chance at going all the way to the finals. So for us, um, our rivalry was Canyon. So, um, we ended up driving, I think it was like four and a half hours to Snyder, Texas, just to play Canyon who's up yeah. the road. So, um, but that region, it's it's tough. There's a lot of weapons, both on offense and defense. Um, there's a lot of high IQs. There's amazing coaches that know the game very well, study the game very well. And then it's, of course, it's tough just because conference play, you play these you play these teams, so you already know the X's and O's. You already know mm-hmm. their strengths, their weaknesses. So now that you're playing them a third round, but when it really, really matters, yeah. you know, what are you going to execute? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I think at that point, it's just all about heart. It's all about who wants it more. It's all about who's going to play together more, um, and that's, they're going to get the W at the end of it. Yeah. Your team seemed very poised. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the semifinal game from your senior year and the final game mm-hmm. of your senior year, and y'all didn't, like, crack under pressure in those tough moments. Mm-hmm. And so go ahead. I remember – sorry. I remember <laughs> specifically on the bench telling the team, like, act like we've been here. Like, we belong here, but we got to act like we've been here. Of course, there's moments where, like, you know, the clock is taken down and, you know, the score is not that far apart and you want to, you know, settle for a shot. But we, I think through our practice and our preparation, we understood that, like, to get it done, we just got to stay the course. We got to stay focused. We we trained for it. We know we're built for it. We just got to execute. Yeah. 
And one thing you said too was like before your senior year, like your junior year, you guys lost in like the regional final. Mm-hmm. And so how much did that loss like fuel you for your senior year? A lot. Um, more just because that group, when I was a junior, that group of seniors were everything. Um, they led the way they were supposed to, and I wanted it for them more than anything. Like, yeah, I have one more year left, but when you're in it and it's that competitive and you we put that much work into it, like – we're missing Thanksgiving breaks. We're missing Christmas breaks. We're away from our families. Yeah. Like, you're putting a lot of dedication, and it's only high school, you know? So I think at that point it was just, like, I wanted it for our seniors. So it was very devastating. But then transitioning to my senior year, it was like, well, I'm the leader, you know? Like, yeah. we got to finish what, what they started. And mm-hmm. so that's what, that's what our mindset was the first day of practice. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. There were days where – we were in our emotions and we don't feel like doing this. Yeah. We don't feel like being here, you know, but I think it all paid off in the end and we got a ring. Yeah. Um, that didn't show on the court, like in the semifinals and the final game, y'all were very like locked in mm-hmm. and y'all really didn't buckle. Mm-hmm. And so like in the semifinal game, one thing I noticed or like remember from that game is like y'all went on a good run in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And so the game was close, like all the way into the third quarter and then y'all went on a run and just like put it away. It was still like, a 10-point game the rest mm-hmm. of the way, but that third quarter run, like, really won the game. In, like, senior year, um, you guys fell down early. Do you mm-hmm. remember that game? I do. Okay. What well, Do you remember, like, being down early? I do, and I do remember going to the locker room and everybody being like, what the heck? Like, what mm-hmm. are we going to do? And um, I just remember a couple of our players just speaking up and, like, asking us, like, you know, do we want this? Because at the end of the day, it's what it's about. Um, and I think we recognize that they weren't really beating us. We were really beating ourselves. Yeah. We just had to lock in and just execute what we had been preparing for. Yeah. One thing, too, is, like, the runs were really quick, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in the championship game, you were down in the second quarter with, like, two minutes before half. You were down by, like, nine points, your mm-hmm. team was. Y'all hit, like, a couple threes, like, back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. To back, and, like, by halftime, the game was already tied back up. Mm-hmm. And so even though y'all were saying, what the heck, at least y'all had went on a good run to get back in the game and, like, to make it a close game. Mm-hmm. And, and it was close the rest of the way as well. Yeah, Go and ahead. I would say it's a, you know, a hats off to our coaches because they just – they they continue to preach, you know, stay the course, stay focused. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up in the fans. Don't get caught up in the bickering, the, you know, us not getting calls. Like, we're from Texas. We're used to this. Yeah. So I, I would say a, a lot to our coaches of just making us stay focused because, you know, it's easy to get focused, distracted, and get feed into all of it, and it would just slip out of our hands. But we stayed focused. We trusted the process, which is was the main key, and we got the job done. Yeah. Y'all did. Y'all got the job done for sure. So one thing about that game that I remember, too, is, like, you didn't try to force your game. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that you were down early, sometimes good players or the senior leaders or the best player on a team try to force the game and, like, try to take a lot of shots and get their team back into the game. But you guys really, like, fed who was hot. Mm -hmm. And so the girls that were making shots, like, y'all kept giving them the ball and, like, making sure that they were, like, getting their shots Mm -hmm. and, like, they got y'all back into the game. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about just the teamwork on that team? Yeah, of course. That team was very selfless. Um, we didn't care who had point. If you got 50, you got 50. Yeah. At the end of the day, for winning, that's all that matters. Um, so I would say that we all preached about playing in your strengths. If you're a shooter, shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know, hand down, man down, shoot it. Yeah. If you're a defensive player, get a stop. You know, do what the team needs you to do. And I think that team is – that's the reason why that team was so successful is because we understood our role. We played our role. And when – times that like we were nervous about like the outcome and stuff we just stuck to what we knew and 
that's really just what got the job done. Yeah. One thing I'd like to know about, like, the state tournament that year, your senior year, was, like, the travel. Mm -hmm. And so the games were played in Houston, correct? Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, a nine-hour... San Antonio. San Antonio. Okay, San Antonio. So that's, like, a nine-hour drive from, Mm -hmm. like, Amarillo, right? Mm -hmm. So how was, like, that long travel, like, to the game? So I believe the day we left, we had, like, a pep rally where they, you know, walked us out um, to the bus. They rode all over the windows and whatnot, but... The cool part about it was my grandmother was actually our bus driver. Um, she worked for the bus company, and everybody knew if it, everybody knew at her job if it said Emerald High Girls Basketball, it was hers. Yeah. So um, we drove on a charter. She drove us, and it honestly, it was a quick trip. Um, we stopped every now and then to eat, of course, but we would just try to make the most memories we could on the bus because it was, you know, our last ride. Whether we were to win or we were to lose, it was our last ride together. Um, and we were making history. So mm-hmm. we really just made it memorable. Um, I know TikTok wasn't a thing, but I'm sure we were making videos of <laughs> Lord knows what. But, um, yeah, it was just a memorable moment. We Nobody really slept. We were lit. We were ready. Yeah. <laughs> that seemed like a hard thing to do, though, is, mm-hmm. like, go nine hours and, like, stop and eat and get back on the bus and go, like, <laughs> even more hours and then get off and try to get the energy to play. Yeah. But you guys embraced it and it, w- it didn't play an impact on any of the games? Not really. Um, I think I think that's where the energy began was on the bus was, you know, we've got a whole city that's proud of us, you mm-hmm. know, that's ready to watch us to go dominate. Um, and then – just, you know, of course the players sit at the back of the bus, the coaches sit at the front. So it was really like, let's make them proud. You know, not only do we put in a lot of work, but they put in extra hours off the clock of putting plays down, putting, you know, practice procedures down, et cetera. So it was, it, I think that team was just, it's more it's more about others than it is about us. Mm-hmm. And I think we understood that more than any other team in the program's history. And so I think that's why we were able to knock the door down for others. Yeah. It showed on the court, too, like you guys were a close team that were very focused. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of really impressive that at like 17 or 18 years old, you guys had that approach to basketball and like mm-hmm. to those state championship games, and they got the job done. Mm-hmm. I would add on to that a lot of the girls on that team had a challenging upbringing. So, like, yeah. we had to grow up early, we had to understand our roles a whole lot quicker. So, I think that type of lifestyle kind of just transferred over to mm-hmm. the court. like whatever's needed to be done for me, we're going to get it done. And I think that had a lot to do with the outcome. So let's dive deeper into that too, like off the court in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. And so what do you remember what stands out about like Amarillo and like how challenging of a place it is to grow up in? Uh, It's very challenging, I'd say, because like I said earlier, there's not a lot of resources there. Um, You kind of got to get it out the mud, to be honest. Um, if you're in the wrong crowd, you're gonna get sucked in the wrong crowd. So yeah. you just gotta be really head on, head straight, know what you want out of your life and surround your people with, you surround yourself with people that are gonna put you in the places you need to be. Yeah. Cause if not, they will detour you where you don't wanna go. Mm-hmm. Um, again, cause there's just, no, there's nothing there. There's no resources, there's no, like it's just really hard to get out of there. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of us experience the challenges of being pulled in different directions and having to choose better for ourselves. At what age did you know, like, your choices are going to be, like, really important to you, like, having success on and off the court? Um, I would say my sixth grade year. That's early. That's young. Mm -hmm. What happened around then Um, to let you know that? um, So I 
I was supposed to go to a school called Bowie, which was not, they weren't very good athletically, but instead my mom pulled me and I went to Bonham, which we were known, it was a basketball program. And so I kind of got to see like different sides, like two different sides of what the world could be. And um, of course, like, you know, when you transfer schools, you have to move like into that school district and stuff. So not only like the like houses, the buildings, the restaurants, the streets, you know, all that was nicer, um, fancier, but the different type of people. So what what I came from was we're going to do the bare minimum to get by and whatever happens, happens yeah. versus where I was moving into. It was we're going to stay on a structured road. We're going to be disciplined. Yeah. We're going to um, do what's right even when no one's looking. So it was really learning that early on the difference and I think that's when I realized like okay if I chose to you know settle for less to do the bare minimum do whatever I can to get by this is going to be the outcome versus if I choose to keep my head on a swivel you know stay focused stay the course be disciplined and do the opposite of what I know then this could also be the outcome so I think learning that on learning that early on is what really programmed me to be the woman I am today. Yeah, and put you down the path of where you are now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how about Amarillo High School? What's like the breakdown of that? So I saw that online. It's like 2,000 kids that go there or something like that. Yeah. Like it's a really big school. Yes, it is. Um, it's a good atmosphere. Um, the teachers, hands down, the best teachers of you. You know, all you got to do is communicate. I think that's where I learned in the classroom is like it was a different standard. And so I did struggle a little bit my freshman year, but it was more communicating with my teachers of, this is what I'm struggling with. This is how I learn. And then we went on, went on from there because you know, not everybody learns the same. Yeah. And so um, as far as the coaches, second family, um, I could to this day call any of them if I ever needed anything or just wanted to talk and chat it up, they would all answer and pick up the phone. Um, and then our fans, they're amazing too. No matter the outcome of the game, you're going to get hugged by somebody and say, yeah. keep your head up. You know, we're proud yeah. of you. We love you. We'll see you at the next one. So I think all in all and all together, I thank my mom day in and day out for putting me in a program like that because it's just, not everybody gets that type of love, you know, and it just makes the process that much easier. Mm. Did your older brother and sister go to those schools as well? Or? Yes, okay. they both did. So she knew from, like, the beginning, yeah. like... my sister was a guinea pig. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so she knew, like, my kids are going to be on this path and mm-hmm. I need to put them in this place. Mm-hmm. And it paid off tremendously, it too. It did. Yeah. It did. So let's move on to college. Okay. But let's talk about, like, the recruiting process out of high school. And so talk to me a little bit about how the recruitment process went for you, like, your junior and senior year. So my junior year, I wasn't really getting um, seen at all. And that's when senior year came, and I knew I had to amp it up. And then winning a championship, I knew somebody's got to want me, you yeah. know. Um, so the – whole region five conference i i would say almost at once all contacted me and wanted me at the same time um it was difficult just because you know it's every kid's dream to go straight d1 out of high school Mm -hmm. so it was really difficult but i had to sit down in my room and be real with myself of like there's a lot of things i need to grow in not only as a basketball player but as a woman academically you know as a woman and on the court and i I had one D1 offer, and that was from Abilene Christian, but it, okay. I never pursued it because I chose to go the JUCO route because I wanted to focus on developing in the areas that I knew I needed to. When mm. you go D1, they expect you to already be at a certain level, certain mm. speed, certain strength, have an IQ, 
and I knew I wasn't ready for all that. So I went to Midland, um, had some rough patches there, and then transferred to Kilgore. Absolutely loved it. If I could have stayed there all four years, I probably would have, to be honest. Um, I had a coach that developed me to be an amazing player. Um, she is the one that brought the scoring out of me, um, told me, like, if you don't have 15 a game, yeah. something's wrong, you know? Like, yeah. you, you have it in you. So she brought that type of dog out of me. Um, she um, executed plays or put in plays that where I can execute my jumper, and that's where my jumper came from. And then my confidence just grew from there. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to that conversation you had, like, with yourself in the room mm-hmm. that you're not ready yet. Like, how how do you find the maturity to have that conversation with yourself? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I want to say just, I guess, being the baby of the family, I sat back a lot and watched a lot. I got a a glimpse of what to do and what not to do. So I think just being the baby of, you know, two ambitious siblings that went ahead of me, I I think that's where I just tapped in and I was like, okay, this is what they did and they were successful and this Mm -hmm. is what they did and they weren't successful. What do I want out of it? And so really... um, uh, when it was time to decide where I wanted to go, I was telling all of them, like my mom, my brother, my sister, like, help me, can you help me? I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't even know how to begin to even see what school I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And they all told me no. They all said, it's not us going to the school, it's you. It's not us playing for that coach, it's you. We, you know, we don't have to be on campus every day, you do. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to help me make a decision that they would regret putting me in, so they all left it in my hands. And so growing up, um, my grandmother instilled um, religion in us very strongly. So that is where my spiritual journey began, where I just was like, well, the only person I can call on now that I know is going to help me Mm -hmm. is God. So as I sat and had that conversation and I was like, now at the same time, I got to prepare myself to listen to what God is going to tell me to do to make my my next move. Mm -hmm. And so what areas did you think or feel like you had to grow in? Like what area did you feel like weren't like quite like division one level ready yet? Um, I'd say on the basketball end, my IQ, it was there, but it, I wouldn't say D1. As, mm-hmm. a, as a freshman in high school, I wouldn't say D1 level. Um, Speed-wise, I definitely needed to get quicker, definitely needed to get more confident, not only in myself, but in the preparation that I've, I've put myself through. Yeah. Like, I've, you know, I've done the long nights, the early mornings, you know. So I would say confidence level and then um, being able to produce more going left. I think was my biggest thing. Um, I could do all things going right, but obviously yeah. that's easy to scout, easy to uh-huh. stop. So what can I, you know, if they shut that down, then I'm mm-hmm. basically non-existent. Yeah. So I think I wanted to, to be able to develop more on that end as well. That's deep. You still able to get to that right hand though, pretty good no, though. Facts. facts. <laughs> I've seen your <laughs> game like no you get in the lane like going right, even in mm-hmm. high school like a senior like you were getting to the right hand pretty mm-hmm. good. And you had a little in and out too. Mm-hmm. It was either crossover or in and out, but you were getting to that right hand, mm-hmm. uh-huh, going off the glass for a layup. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. I remember a, a moment too, like in the, it might have been the semifinal game. You had like a big and one and kind of put the game mm-hmm. away. But yeah, you did like an in and out and went to the right hand and mm-hmm. got fouled and got an and one. You were yep. pumped too. Yep, I probably was. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> uh, Okay, um, thinking about JUCO, did you visit any of the JUCOs before you committed to Midland? Um, yes, I visited, I visited Odessa. Um, I visited Mac- McLennan College down in Waco. Um, and a couple others, but I can't remember them. 
Yeah. What made Midland feel like the right place to commit to? So before I committed, um, I wrote down like a list of pros and cons from each school. And so when I got down to my final three, like I want to say like a week before I actually sat down to like decide where I wanted to go, my youth pastor at my church moved to Midland. And I was like, this might be a sign. It may may not. I don't know. I probably missed the mark. I'm not sure. But when he moved, I was like, yep, that's the one. Um, But no, the girls, when I went on that visit, the girls, they were very welcoming. They were funny. Um, It just felt like home at the moment. Um, The coaches were very encouraging. They were very, um, what's the word, complimentary of my game. Mm -hmm. Um, They told me how not only, like, I could help the program, but how they could help me. And at the time, I wanted to be a nurse, and they didn't have a bad nursing program, yeah. you know, to start it. So it, it was just like all eggs were in the basket, and it seemed like it was a good fit at the time. Yeah. Was there any adjustment when you got there, like the difference between high school and, like, college? Even if it is a junior college, did you notice a big difference between, like, high school and college? Uh, I would just say freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on you to get to class on time. Yeah. It's um, on you to turn in your own papers. It's on you to stay, you know, the course and make sure that you're turning in assignments. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't get daily reminders. So I would just say, like, that, as far as freedom in that aspect of it's time to grow up, you know, uh-huh. not someone's not going to be in your ear 24-7. You got an assignment due next week, you know. Yeah. So I would just say that end of things was probably the biggest change for me. You do have coaches, like, tracking your grades and stuff, though, and yes. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we though. would have meetings about, like, uh-huh. what class you're struggling and stuff like that. But they, the, I think it was just more of the getting assignments in on time because you're not going to be reminded yeah. of it type deal. Was it a struggle for you to get assignments in on time in the beginning? No, it was just more of handling or, like, juggling five classes at once mm-hmm. and all of them having one assignment due on the same day. So mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. – time management really of okay when do I have time to do this assignment this assignment and this assignment to get it done in time so I think time management was really the big thing not more of whether or not I got it turned in I got you um anything stand out about the year in Midland on the court or off the court um I think I just grew mentally there was a lot of negative effects um in that experience and yeah. I could have easily hung my jersey up hung my shoes up but mm-hmm. I think it challenged me mentally to not be the person that I was implemented to be um, in that er- era of my life mm-hmm. and to continue to be the woman that I knew I could be. Yeah. You did have a couple of, like, good games, though, that year, though. Mm-hmm. So you had one game, I know for sure. You had, like, 14 rebounds in the game. <laughs> you remember that game? I do. Okay. <laughs> what happened that game that lets you get so many rebounds? Uh, I'm sneaky. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, they see me and don't think I'm going to go get a board, but I'm going to yeah. go get a board if yeah. I need to. Um, I don't mind taking an elbow here and there. Um, and also, like, I, I feel like I'm a little stronger than what I probably look like I am. Yeah. So I think they underestimated me a little bit. I think you're a little taller, too. <laughs> like, it says, like, 5'5", five, five and then mm-hmm. be a profile, but you got to be, like, a good 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, I don't know. Oh, you don't know? <laughs> Um, what led you to know that like Midland wasn't the right place for you and like it's time to like consider somewhere else at, at the end of the year? Um, I think at the end of the year when I evaluated myself, I didn't really grow. My game didn't grow much. Mm-hmm. Um, academically, I wasn't really learning much. I was just floating really. Um, and I didn't like that. I yeah. I don't like complacency. So it was either stay in that atmosphere or get out of my comfort zone and go find different so that I can become better. And I think that's what I did. How many schools did you have looking at you like when you were about to transfer out? Um, I had a couple, I would say 
four or five D2s um, and then a lot of other JUCOs. I don't really remember the number of them, Mm -hmm. but I had quite a bit um, prior to that. But um, my best friend had just taken the assistant coaching job at Kilgore. Mm -hmm. She had played for the head coach at Kilgore, and so she had a lot of insight of the player aspect and the coaching aspect. And so that's really why I went to Kilgore because I knew I was going to be in good hands. I knew I was going to develop on and off the court. Um, our head coach, Addie Lees, is a strong, ambitious woman. And so I, I wanted to be a part of a program that was led by someone who I could learn from. And yeah. so that's why I chose Kilgore. And you thought about all these things like at that age and at that moment? I did. <laughs> You're not the average like 19-year-old or 18-year-old and you think about all those things. That's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> is it translate like into your grades, into your schoolwork too? Like are you like the student that's like a really high GPA student and really high test scores too? I um, test, I feel like I'm a bad test taker. Um, I, it's hit or miss for me, but uh-huh. I was like my accumulative GPA is three, 3.7 or higher. Okay. Yeah, you are pretty bright then. You're definitely bright, like, thinking about, like, decisions and, like, mm-hmm. what's the right path for you and, like, always think the factor into it. Because mm-hmm. most kids don't think about, like, all the factors that go into, like, a school or mm-hmm. college. Yeah, I think I also learned through my brother and sister that, like, you're one choice or decision away from greatness or you're one yeah. choice or decision from not being great. So I think I really just take on the task of what do I want for myself and what can these places or these schools offer me to get me there because at the end of the day the ball is going to stop dribbling someday Mm -hmm. and it's coming really quick but (laughs) (laughs) you know like my education is going to stick with me forever um the experiences the memories will too but what's more important is beyond basketball so i mean basketball yes it it at one point was everything but i think once i realized that like it's going to stop someday that's when i had to start thinking a little deeper Mm. How quickly did you, like, gain your confidence at Kilgore? Quickly. Um, Mm. Just because the coach demanded it out of me. Um, Being the captain of that team, and it was really – that's when I learned that you have to be a connection of your coach. So anytime Mm. I look at her, like, what play you want to run, coach? She look at me like, you're the general. Like, why are you looking at me? So quickly. um, Mm. It had to come quickly. Um, It was very uncomfortable. There would be times where I'd just go to my room and just cry because I was so frustrated. But it's definitely paid off. Um, it's definitely given me the momentum I needed. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of big games that year, too. I did. And scoring-wise, too, like you said, like there's a big shift. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in Midland, you averaged, like, seven points a game. Mm-hmm. But at Kilgore, you averaged, like, 12 or 13 points mm-hmm. a game. And you had, like, five 20-point games that mm-hmm. season, too. So, like, how does it feel when you get going, like, on one of those 20-point nights, like – how can you tell, like, it's going to be a good night and, like, to stay aggressive? Really, at Kilgore, it was – I kind of had to demand it out of myself because, yeah. again, that's not, like, what I'm comfortable with. I'm not yeah. comfortable with scoring. I'm not comfortable with being aggressive in that aspect. But, again, when it's being asked of you, uh-huh. you have to deliver. Yeah. So, um, I – I don't know if I I'd pull up hit a mid a head hit mid hit a mid range jumper if it went in I'd be like okay that's on point yeah. go for a layup hit that okay that's on point and then go from the threes and if I hit that then okay now we're locked in yeah. um, and then if it was the other way where I wasn't hitting threes I'd be like okay I have to be more aggressive in attack um, and if it was an off day and it just offensively I wasn't producing the way I needed to we mm-hmm. got to go get it on the defensive end yeah. so I think just growing in that mentality really early on in the season really helped me and my team to execute the way we needed to or as we were being asked and so sorry yeah. where it came out of 
I think your teams, like you said, are like better when you're aggressive, mm-hmm. and so like the offense flows better. Like it's just hard to guard you guys as a team when mm-hmm. you're aggressive and you get it going. Mm-hmm. And so definitely stay aggressive and like stay like with that positive mindset that like that's what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and For don't sure. be like passive or shy. For sure. I think this year too, like thinking about like your season last year, Oklahoma City too. Like I think your team is gonna need you to be like aggressive mm-hmm. on offense at times. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna help everybody's game. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you remember any of your big games at Kilgore? You had a couple, like, really big ones. Yeah. Um, I know I had a big one at Panola or versus uh-huh. Panola, um, both offensive and defensively. I think I had, like, four charges that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then in the, our last game where we ended up coming short to TJC. But I just remember my coach pulling me aside and saying, you don't know who's in the stands. Mm-hmm. It's your time. You got to go off. Yeah. And I know um, um, there was a couple of our offensive threats that were really struggling that game. So I had to just sit with myself and look at myself in the mirror before the game even started and just mm-hmm. say, like, whatever's being asked of you, you got to deliver. Like, you've again, like, I rely on my preparation, and I just had to go get it. So yeah. I did. I think the Panola game, you had, like, 14 points in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Like, you got hot. Like, you were getting steals and layups and assists and everything. How did it feel to be in that moment and, like, how that stretch? It feels great. Um, it just – again, it's just like a, you know, a pat on the back of, like, everything you've done up to that point. Yeah. Um, but it also feels great to produce for my team and be available for my team. Mm-hmm. It's it's very easy to get in your head and, you know, think about, like, everything that's not happening or, like, the plays that aren't working or the boards you're not getting or the turnovers, et cetera. But yeah. I think once I'm locked in and focused on the positive, I honestly think I'm unstoppable. Yeah. So I think in moments like that, it's where it kind of clicks, and I wish mm-hmm. it would click a lot more. But mm-hmm. in moments like that, I really enjoy that. I get to showcase God's talent. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the most, like, the best players, the most dominant players have is that mindset, too, mm-hmm. of that they put in the work. And so even when they're a little bit off, like, they put in the work and they know, like, the next shot's going to fall yeah. or they're going to get the next steal or the next rebound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the more you can key in on that, I think the more dominant you become as a player. For sure. How about the last game? And so last game was like a game. I think if you won that game, you would have went to the national championship mm-hmm. tournament. Um, and y'all end up losing by, like, one point in mm-hmm. overtime. And so, I fouled out. Yeah, I heard about that too. You fouled out a couple of games that <laughs> <I> year. <laughs> and so, how was that game? And like, how did it feel to foul out? Um, it was very, I don't. At the same, it was very disappointing for myself. But at the same time, we it was kind of like a panic moment. Like we were running mm-hmm. out of time. We're down by one. Like, yeah, you know, of course. So you had the attention of foul. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, coach was yelling foul, and of course she wasn't saying yeah. ad foul. Uh-huh. But I was just like. Foul, uh-huh. but and slipped my mind that I had four. But, it was in regulation or overtime? Uh, I think when I fouled out, it was in regu- regulation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then, but I, I give my teammates props because even when I did foul out, they still were able to go into overtime and they yeah. still fought in overtime. Yeah. And I honestly, to this day, think film needs to be watched and we need to run that game back. But yeah. it is what it is. But yeah, it was, it was, I was very disappointed in myself just because I didn't execute for my team the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. That team got hot at the right time, too. Mm-hmm. So y'all ran, like, number five in the region or whatever, and then mm-hmm. y'all got hot and made it to the championship and almost won it. Yeah. But it was the right foul, though, if you were able to extend the game and get to overtime, right. though. It might not have been the best thing for you to foul out, but right. if it led to the game being extended and you were down previously, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad foul. Right. 
How long did it, it like that? <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to get over that game and like falling out and stuff like that? Like, were you able to forgive yourself quickly or like? No. Okay. Um, I don't think I walked into the gym for almost two weeks. Um, of course, I had to leave my room to go to class and stuff. But other than that, I was cooped up in my room. Coach would call and I wouldn't answer. I was very disappointed. Um, in yourself or the team? or In myself. Okay. Um, just because I know my team depended on me a lot, especially when our offensive threats weren't having the best of game. Yeah. Um, and then just the goals that I had for that game, I didn't reach some of them. Mm-hmm. So I was very disappointed in myself, but it's a growing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you have your ups and your downs. It's part of life. So I think once I finally was like, okay, I'm over it, I just talked to my coach, and she understood. You know, she was a point guard herself. She understood that I wasn't just ignoring her to be disrespectful, yeah. but yeah. it was more of I'm yeah, a little you took upset. it personal. Yeah. yeah, it hurt. Yeah. yeah, you had a decent game that game. You had like 23 points that game. Though. I did. So you shouldn't have been too down. <laughs> This is the outcome. I didn't like yeah. the outcome. No mm-hmm. one likes losing. Yeah. That's the one thing I noticed about your game, too, is, like, you're not worried about stats or points and all that. You just want to win. Mm-hmm. And, like, whatever needs to be done to win, like, you're willing to do that. Whether it's pass or shoot or take a charge, like, you'll do whatever it takes to win. Facts, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then not every athlete is like that. A lot of athletes are out there trying to stat pad or right. trying to get the Division One offer. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see your game and see, like, how much of a teammate you are and, like, how you care about winning first and being a good teammate. Thank and you. And that you take it personal. Thank you. Yeah. Try not to like be two weeks in like before you like can get over it. But I like to see athletes that like take it personal and like want to win. It means something to them winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how was the recruitment process coming out of Kilgore? So out of Kilgore, um, especially towards the end of the season, um, I'm not gonna lie. My phone was constantly ringing. My coach said she was constantly getting um, emails. Just because I think I showed my case that I'm. I showcased myself that I'm more more than a defensive player, that I do have the capabilities to score and be an Mm -hmm. offensive threat. So um, I think my first phone call was with Louisiana Monroe, which was was two and a half hours from Kilgore. Mm -hmm. I was lit. I was like, Louisiana, (laughs) like this is the best food. Like I was lit. Um, The coaches were nice. And then um, I believe my second phone call was with Arkansas Little Rock, which is where my sister went. Uh Um, That's where she finished up, right? Yes. Okay. And they just they were really complimentary of my defense. And mm-hmm. I mean, I would go on campus when she was there, and they loved how I was taller than her. Yeah. So he would always joke around and say, <laughs> "I'm a recruiter because she's taller than you." But he ended up actually recruiting me. And then um, down the line, you know, D ones, D ones, they sort of started falling off. I wasn't hearing from coaches as much, and I want to say Tulane was. The one I was first interested in, but they told me that they were going to go with the bigger guard. Mm. So that's where it kind of cut deep, and I just had to continue to focus on the yeses and not the noes. And so I just continued to pray. And then, lo and behold, Gabe Henry, who um, actually had followed me throughout my whole high school journey, he was actually another D1 that actually looked at at me from high school. He was at UTRGV Mm -hmm. at the time. He... um, called me and said, AD, we need a point guard, but we need a point guard that's looking to be a point guard. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? So yeah. he gave me his his own description of a point guard. And I said, well, Coach, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see a characteristic that you just listed that I don't feel like is in me. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And he said, but I have another question for you. And I was like, okay. He said, UConn's going to be back in our conference. Do you think you'll be able to compete at that level? Yeah. And I said, it's not a question for me. Um, 
I know what my heart entails. I know mm-hmm. my capabilities, and I'm going to count on me. And so he was like, okay, um, I'm going to talk to our head coach some more, see where recruiting is at, and we'll go from there. And I got a call three days later from the head coach. He asked me, you know, what does being a leader look like to me? What does being a point guard look like to me? What does basketball mean to me? Yeah. Um, and the phone call went on. And then when we ended the phone call, he said, well, I'm offering you a full ride if you want to come to Butler. And mm-hmm. I instantly said, I'm coming. Yeah. Like, who wants so to pass? on the spot? I did. Uh-huh. Who wants to pass up a spot to play UConn? Like, yeah, that's pleasure, crazy. Pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. Too. Yeah. The <laughs> waterworks happened. Um, you know, I was just very thankful in that moment because I went from – you know, having 15 calls to five to mm-hmm. three to yeah. really almost none and then getting a call to go play in the Big East. So I was very appreciative and humbled. Do you think it was good to wait it out and, like, not jump at the first For couple sure. offers? For sure. a lot of kids would have felt that pressure, especially mm-hmm. when it started the window down from, like, 15 to 10 right. to five to commit somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that I just kept hearing patience 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 Mm -hmm. and I and I didn't learning from Midland I didn't want to make the same mistake Um, Mm -hmm. Midland I feel like I did jump the gun I feel like I didn't make a decision too soon I don't think I gave myself enough time to thoroughly think it through and go explore all of my options so I think I remembered that lesson in that moment and I just stayed patient again I I knew I put in the work I knew I you know grinded all season I showcased what I could and where I needed to be is where I was going to eventually end up in so okay so moving on to butler like how hard was it to be away from home because that's pretty far from home 19 hours um it was extremely tough especially because covid hit so it Mm -hmm. was like you know anything could happen at any given moment um people are getting sick left and right um even if i got sick like i'm 19 hours away from my family like can't they really didn't have the financial needs to come and you know be there for me so it was really tough um but again, I relied on my spiritual end to get me through it. Um, mentally, it was an extreme battle just because it's, you know, a new environment, new teammates, yeah. you know, new level, like yeah. more is expected of me in every aspect. But again, it's what I signed up for. So yeah. I took on every challenge I could. What do you think or how would you describe your journey at Butler that year? Oh, um, Adversity would probably be the title if I had a chapter for every year. Um, used to playing 40 minutes a game to yeah. not playing really any at all. Used uh-huh. to being the fastest, the strongest on the team to being the weakest, not the slowest, but, you know, in the mm-hmm. middle. Um, IQ to, you know, being the highest and being able to make the no-look passes and the defense not be ready for it yeah. to they're baiting you to do that because they know it's coming. Yeah. Um there was a lot of adversity, and it was a change that happened quickly that I don't think I was really prepared for, mm-hmm. um, both on my end and both on the coaching end. Had I had different coaching staffs, I think I would have had a different outcome. Had I trained a little harder, trained you know for that type of level, I think the outcome would have been different, but yeah. just trust in the process. Yeah. I think it's good to go through that journey, though, and learn those things, though. For sure. Like, you'll be a better person for it in the long run. Mm-hmm. And not very many kids that are, like, a sophomore or junior in college are able to articulate, like, I could have prepared more and did more on my end, too. Mm-hmm. But coaches could also put me in a position to be a little bit more successful. Right. And yeah. it also taught me to be humble and appreciative of, you know, I get to play 40 minutes. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think I got in a headspace of, you know, forgetting that you know not everybody gets this experience Mm -hmm. 
So I think going through that, it was definitely humbling and had to tap into the side of like, okay, this is the season I'm in. And this mm-hmm. is where I got to, you know, sit for a little bit until yeah. things change. So I think going through that, going through that part of my journey was very necessary. Yeah. Now, that season, though, like, with COVID and everything that was happening, mm-hmm. though, there became a point in the year where, like, you got thrown in there mm-hmm. and you got thrown in a flyer. Mm-hmm. And so what is it? what was it like and, like, how hard was it to, like, not play and sit all those games and then now you got to go in and play 20 minutes, 30 minutes in this game? Um, I kind of talked myself through that, though, to be ready when my number was called. Yeah. Um, just because anything could happen, mm-hmm. especially with COVID, um, you know, limiting some players to be able to play. So I think... It was a good thing for me just because it was teaching me be ready at all times because yeah. you never know. Um, so specifically when we played UConn at UConn, um, I wasn't expecting to start. And mm-hmm. I started and I actually played a decent amount of minutes that game. Um, and I did that. I was able to do that because previously we played before then we played St. John's and I had quite a bit of assists and I was actually one of the ones that was didn't look like I was out of shape. I was actually moving on offense the way coach wanted us to move and in film it showed. So I think just keeping the mindset of be ready when you be ready for your number to be called because you never know, Mm -hmm. which was a new aspect for me. But I think once I grasped that and when my number was called, I was ready. Yeah. What was like the adjustment off the court like? And so Butler looks like it's a pretty academic school. Yeah. Definitely much more academic than a JUCO mm-hmm. would be. And so what was it like academically at Butler? It was very challenging. Um, I remember my first paper I wrote, my professor asked to have an individual meeting. And I was like, oh, what I do? Yeah. But um, she just said that like the level has to increase a lot because yeah. it's a private school. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming from a JUCO where they don't really care about academics. You know, yeah, it's you all turn about. In, you probably get yeah. <laughs> and so um, going to Butler where they take that seriously, she was just, it was a it was a helpful, insightful meeting, but it was just like a, you know, mm-hmm. hit to the gut, like, yeah. okay. So I think after that, though, and after I got some tutoring and some help of, like, how to use my words better and how to, yeah. like, express what I'm trying to put on paper better, I think once I got a grip of all that, I, w- I was fine after that. How much did, like, the supports help, like, the tutoring and things of that nature? How much did it help? A lot. And it also helped that, like, you know, some of these universities, they have, like, 800 students in their classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That Butler was uh, actually wasn't that big. I would say my biggest class maybe had 15, 16 kids in it. Oh, like, okay. it wasn't that So no that auditorium-type classes? No, okay. not at all. And so I think that actually is what helped me a lot. I got to develop a relationship with my profess- my professors and was able to be comfortable enough to tell them like this is what I'm struggling with I'm just not getting your material like is there another way you can teach it to me and so I think implementing that into my academic journey is what really helped me get through Butler because it it was tough I'm not gonna lie it was (laughs) tough I've never just you know been up till 4 a.m doing homework and papers and stuff and until I got to Butler so I was like okay but we got to get this degree so whatever we need to do does that like come to you naturally since you're more introverted to like reach out for those supports and those helps or like do you have to be pushed to do those things it's a challenge i'm i will admit that i don't ask for help when i need it but Mm. i would go to my teammates first because most of them had already taken most of the classes i was in Mm. and so once i went to them if they couldn't help me i was like well i have no choice it's either that or fail so i'm so scared of failure that i was like well i gotta you know Stop being scary and go ask for help. So that's what I did. Okay. 
you got through it though. I did. And you got a high GPA, so like yeah. you were turning quality work and you adjusted. Seemed like pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you know Butler like wasn't the, like the long term place where you were gonna stay and like end up for college? Um, mentally, I was checked out. Um, mm. I became a person that I did not know, and I did not like that. Like I felt like I didn't have control of myself, my future, my life, and I also did not like being 19 hours away from home. Um, but I mean, I know basketball had a lot to do with it, but it was really the mental aspect of it. It mm-hmm. was just too much. Yeah. Um, there was not a lot, not only a lot going on on the hardwood, but outside of the world. Like it, it, I don't think I was my best self there mm-hmm. and I didn't like that. So yeah, we were right in the middle of COVID during that time, yeah. and especially being that far from home. Like, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. It was really tough. So I just, again, had to have that tough conversation with myself and, I wanted more out of myself. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give myself an opportunity to be the woman I wanted to be, the player I wanted to be, and I didn't think I would be able to accomplish that mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. I made my – actually, when I went into the meeting to tell him I wanted a transfer, he told me he didn't want me to. He thanked me for not ever having asked me to go hard in practice. He said, you mm-hmm. just did it naturally. Um, he did compliment what I did bring to the team, but I – I had to stick with my decision and do yeah. what was best for me. Yeah, Was it easy to say or difficult to say, like, uh, I'm ready to go somewhere else? It was difficult to say, but at the same time, I think they, in a way, saw it coming just because yeah. of the person I was coming into the program, mm-hmm. you know, psyched, happy, ready yeah. to, you know, get to work, to the person I was at the end of the year. You know, I was not bringing the same energy to my teams um, to practice. You know, I was quiet. I wasn't as vocal. Um there was no, there was hardly a smile on my face. Like yeah. I, the, the vibes that I brought and the energy I brought, it just wasn't me. Mm. So I think like if they truly sat down and like watched me, they could yeah. understand. They knew you were the same person. Yeah, and see that. And so once I elaborated on, I just, I, it's just not a fit for me right now. Mm. Um, I think they were understanding of that. At what point did you feel like everything kind of shifted and like you became someone different? When the coach that recruited me left. Oh, okay. So when he left, um, I feel like everything flipped for me um where I was you know in the conversation of being in rotation to not being in the conversation so it's like middle of the season Mm -hmm. okay so when that happened I think that's when everything flipped because he he wasn't just my assistant coach like he was also a mentor to me like he would pull me aside at practice and say ad like you didn't look like yourself out there today like is there other thing on your mind like is there things happening at home like do you need to talk about anything so it it was more, he was more of just a coach to me. He was also a mentor. So when he left, it was, well, who do I talk to now type deal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what kind of altered to me, not like I was just bottling everything in and Mm -hmm. yeah. So knowing that you had like one last transfer and like maybe one or two more years of eligibility left, like how'd you make the final decision to like go somewhere else and how'd you end up going to Oklahoma City? So it was a process. my sister had actually gotten really sick and was in the hospital for majority of the summer, so I wasn't focused on finding a school. I was focused on being there and trying to help her with my nephew and things. And so I did have D1s reach out. I did have D2s, and I did have, you know, some NAI and D3s. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, like, I felt like family was more important. And me yeah. being there, my presence being there for my family was more important. So I wasn't answering phone calls. I wasn't returning texts. Um, and then she... Um, made her come back towards the end of the summer. So I was able to focus on, okay, what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. And 
So with that being said, and the transfer portal being crazy, like, mm-hmm. of course, like most of the D1s were like, we already signed, you know, mm-hmm. someone in the spot we were looking to have you in. Um, and I just sat down with myself again and, and wrote down on the paper, what do I want out of my last year? Because at this yeah. point, I didn't think I was going to take my COVID year. Oh, okay. And so what do I want out of my last year, you know, on the court, off the court, and then individually mm-hmm. and team-wise? And um, when I wrote that down, I had a call with a coach from Tarleton and he connected me with a, the coach that was previously at OKC and um I just I just want to have fun like yeah. you know coming back from that year at Butler like it wasn't fun anymore I was you know losing love for the game I just want to have fun you know in on a high note be able to be myself um but at the same time I want to get a good degree mm-hmm. um and I think that's that's what set me to OKC. Um, it's a private school, just like Butler was. Yep. Yes, it is a lower division, but it's still mm-hmm. a gr- great conference. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some great NAI teams um, that you know make it make it to the national championship. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's mm-hmm. where I went. And they have like nine championships at Oklahoma City yeah. too. So yeah. I keep seeing on Twitter like number in ten, pursuit number of ten. ten, in pursuit of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice if it happened though. Your senior year, that'd be a nice way to end it, it and would. for the program too to like get number ten. That mm-hmm. would be like a big like thing they could put out for the public. Like yep. we are ten time champions. Yeah, yeah, it'd be big. I think our coach um, highlighted our new one, um, Sig. She said, "There's, um, I think it's UConn, Duke, and then us, and okay. the rankings of national champions." Yeah. So I think that's that's pretty cool that's to be yeah, like, top five yeah. national champions. Mm-hmm. Especially at all the different levels and like divisions and stuff right. like that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was last year for you? Um, last year it was fun. I did gain the love back for the game. Um, I was able to be myself. Um, but I would say the second part of season, COVID took over again. Mm-hmm. Um, it did. With Oklahoma's restrictions, it was even if you didn't test positive for COVID, if you had any um, close contact, yes, contact tracing, mm-hmm. you had to sit. So we had to test like two times before every game, and somebody mm-hmm. would test positive. And nasal? since hmm? or nasal or like in the mouth, nasal. or like okay, yeah, it was horrible. That so didn't feel good at all. <laughs> um, and if you weren't vaccinated. You had to be isolated, so I wasn't vaccinated. Oh, okay. So it was almost every mm-hmm. game I wasn't able to play because I had contact tracing. Yeah. So um, that part of the season was very difficult, but I, at that point, I did know that I was coming back for another year, so mm-hmm. I wasn't stressing on it too much. Um, but overall, um, I was proud of myself for the comeback I did, mm-hmm. um, both mentally and physically. Um, I'm not where I want to be or wasn't where I want to be Um which is why I'm grateful I have another year to prove something to myself, much yeah. less anyone else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, COVID. Yeah. Last year was much more like back to your normal stat line, though. Mm-hmm. So, like 12, 13 points a game, like mm-hmm. four or five rebounds a game, three or four assists a game. So, yeah. it was much more like you out mm-hmm. there. And sure. like big games again, like double digit games and 20 point games again mm-hmm. as well. For sure. Yeah. How did it feel to be back? Or at least, like, back to your more normal self. Even if you're kind of missing because of COVID, like, you still were, like, yeah, more of yourself think, on the court. Yeah, I think my first 20-point game, um, my best friend called me and said, she's back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, for real, though. But it, it just feels good to be able to have fun with it. You know, when you yeah. love something so much and you're not having fun with it, it's kind of detrimenting to your heart. But when I was able to have fun, you know, and actually be my authentic self, I was, I, I'm happy where I am. Yeah. Um, one thing I saw too is like y'all got up to a good start, and so mm-hmm. y'all should have a good year this year. Cause mm-hmm. last year y'all were like seven and one, like in the first eight games, and like you said, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. We had a 
Yeah, uh-huh. you had games, to forfeit like two games. or three games, and it just wasn't the same after that. Like yeah. y'all season just didn't recover. And after then we that. really couldn't practice because mm-hmm. we had to be away from each other, be yeah. ten feet apart from each other. So we really couldn't practice. So mm-hmm. it just made it that much difficult. But no mm-hmm. excuses. <laughs> yeah, this shit should be hopefully better and for like sure. more normal. Hopefully, you don't have to forfeit any games, mm-hmm. any goals individually or for the team this year. Um, for the team, we want to win a. Uh, we want to start with a conference championship. Um, our conference is tough, so I think if we can achieve that, then yeah. we can expand from there. But mm-hmm. I try not to look too too forward. Um, yeah. You know, taking it one day at a time, one game at a time, and just allowing the process to speak for itself. Um, as far as individually, um, I want to get recognized in any way possible. But at the same time, I just want to enjoy it. You know, yeah. um, I'm gonna give it all I have. It's my last go. Mm-hmm. But I'm not chasing any accolades, to be honest. Um, where I need to be is where I'm at, where I am and what I need to get is what I'll get. Yeah. Um, there's this whole journey. I'm just, I'm really just in the process of just being thankful for the sport. It's allowed me to see things I wouldn't imagine. I've seen play against people I wouldn't ever mm-hmm. dreamed of playing against. Um, and I'm just really just thankful for it. Yeah. How was the play against UConn? We never talked about that at Butler. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, that Paige. was like, uh, yeah, she was a freshman that year. Yes. Uh-huh. She, Quicker than what she looks like on TV. Yeah. Definitely stronger than what she looks like on TV. She can shoot it too. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, she's cool. I liked how humble she was. Um, mm-hmm. She, like some of her teammates, she wasn't you know cocky or arrogant yeah. with it. She was very humble. Um, I had a couple conversations. She'll probably won't remember, but I had a couple yeah. conversations <laughs> while I was Gardner. But mm-hmm. it was it was an experience that I I will never forget. Yeah. Did they feel like they were on like a higher level than everyone else you played For against? Sure. Yes. Like faster, stronger, yes. quicker. Yes. And just making cuts that. Or like mm, that's smart like uh-huh. why you know to make it yeah. at that time in that angle yeah. like they're very smart um i would say we we hung with them for the first quarter and then from there it uh-huh. was ugly but it, it was definitely a great experience think about it too like that wasn't even the best uconn team either right. like i think they got beat in the final four that year mm-hmm. maybe they didn't go so. to the championship and so imagine like the uconn teams that have went like undefeated right like, how good their iq is and yeah. stuff like that crazy yeah all right last thing i'll ask you about college before we move on is just like how does it feel to be like this close to a college degree mm-hmm. and like what would or what will your college degree mean to you when you get it in a couple of months um, everything. My pops always said one thing a man can never take away from you is your education. So yeah. be intentional with it. And so I think I've I've been that my whole collegiate career. Um, and it's been a struggle to get to where I'm at right now. So yeah. I'm very thankful um, for that piece of paper. But um, it's, it's going to open a lot of doors and create a lot of resources that I know this world needs. Yeah. So I'm really just in a space of that. I'm going to pray I do what I need to do with that piece of paper. So for this part, we're going to talk about you like off the court. And so if you had to describe yourself and you couldn't include anything basketball related, like how would you describe yourself? Um, I am goal-oriented. Um, I am very passionate about things I love. Yeah. Um, I am the light of the room. I have been told by a lot of people that like when I enter the room, you know I'm in the room. Yeah. Um, when you're in the room, though, are you quiet or like are you outgoing? Because you said you're more introverted. I am, but uh-huh. I think once I'm comfortable with yeah. my environment, um, you're gonna know I'm in the room. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which means I'm outgoing. Um, I like to make people laugh. I like to help those in need. 
and I will give my last to anybody that would need it. You probably try, probably raise that way too to like mm-hmm. make sure you share and like mm-hmm. you think about others as well. I would imagine, especially with like siblings and stuff like that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what thing do you enjoy doing outside of basketball? Um, I like photography, so I like okay. taking pictures of nature, and mm-hmm. I also like reading. Um, about like how to explain this. Um. Like, the book I'm reading right now is called um, 300 Lies That Women Naturally Believe. Mm-hmm. So I like to read about things that, like, our mind have struggles with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your major is, like, My sociology or something like that? Psychology. Psychology. And I have a minor in child advocacy. Okay. And so you like thinking about, like, how the mind works and stuff mm-hmm. like that? hmm And so you're reading that on your own, like, outside of classes and all yes. that? Okay, how often do you read outside of class, and, like, is that something you normally do? Yeah, so I try to give myself an hour to myself a day to do something that makes me happy, yeah. and so that's one of the things that I try to do every single day. I don't I don't really pick up the book every day, but mm-hmm. I try to at yeah. least once a day. And for photography, you have your own camera? I don't, but I use my phone for majority of my pictures, but I, I am trying to get a camera. Okay, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, how about music? So, what do you like music-wise? Uh, Rod Wave, uh-huh. Lil Baby, or on my spiritual side, <laughs> um, Tasha Cobbs and Chris Tomlin. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were going to say more spiritual stuff. I'm surprised you went with Rod <laughs> Wave and like Lil Baby. That's the one you said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm surprised you went with those two. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, Rod Wave song? Chips on My Shoulder. Okay. I'm trying to think of what's the other one. I like one of them. I can't think of the name of it right now. I'm always playing it, though. But Markayla Johnson, someone we had on here, too, she said one of her favorites uh-huh. was, like, Rod Wave, too. So he's pretty mm-hmm. popular right now. Yep. What do you think about the new album that came out, like, last month, I think it was? Right on time. Really? Right you like that? Right on time. I do. It was different. It was different. But I just think all his music just speaks to what I've been through in life and, yeah. you know, life in general. Yeah. So I, I, there's probably five songs that I don't really like of uh-huh. his how about TV and movies? What are you watching, like, TV-wise or movie-wise? So I've never been the kid to watch TV or movies. I've always been, like, outside doing stuff or, I don't know, doing, like, crafts and stuff like that. But if I am going to turn on the TV, um, I'm going to watch things like Real Bounce, Coach okay. Carter. Oh, so the um, old movies. Hurricane like, Season. From, like, your basketball. teenage years? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else besides those? Um... Uh, have you ever heard the 85 South show? Uh-uh. No. Well, the, it's a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. On YouTube, yeah. yeah. It has, like, the comedians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Carlos Miller. Yeah, I've um, seen a couple of them. Yeah, that, I'll watch that any day. Mm-hmm. I've seen <laughs> one episode that had the rapper uh, Big Crit. I don't know if you know about mm-hmm. Big Crit, but they had one with him. Oh, yeah. So I like his that, music. He, they, they are pretty good about bringing people on, but uh-huh. it's just a funny show. Yeah, they always have somebody from Atlanta coming through, mm-hmm. too. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh-huh. They always telling jokes and stuff. Yeah. I roasting about, people. Mm, always. <laughs> I thought about the right way too. Hard on ice. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, okay. it's my favorite. Like I'm always playing that one. Yeah, it's a hit. Uh huh. It's a big <laughs> hit. I guess my go-to right there. Uh, fashion. So clothes. Um, I'm gonna rock some J's for sure. Um, but I think my go-to shoe right now are some Dunks. I really, okay. they're really comfortable, yeah. and I love the color waves that are coming out. Mm-hmm. But J's are expensive though. They are. Mm-hmm. So how are you for that? <laughs> Gotta work. Gotta work. <laughs> That's why you work with <laughs> yep. paper jays. Yep. Uh-huh. And the bills. Uh-huh. They don't pay themselves. Okay. So what about clothes wise? So if you're just trying to be relaxed or something like that, like what are you gonna rock? 
Um, most likely gonna either throw on some cotton shorts or some sweats. Okay. What about for the top? Um, either a big shirt or a hoodie. Okay. That's my go-to too with hoodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about if you gotta dress up and go somewhere like really nice? I'm not the not not gonna throw on a dress. I'm not gonna no. lie. I might throw on some jeans and some heels or something. Really? But I don't know about a dress. No dress. <laughs> what about I mean, like if I the, got to, but what about the pantsuits? Yeah, I'll throw that on. Okay. Would you do that over a dress? Mm -hmm. uh, talk about your shirt. And so you have a very interesting shirt. We're speaking about fashion and like clothes. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what you're wearing and like why you chose the word. So my shirt says, never underestimate the power of a woman. And I chose to wear it today just because, you know, I am showcasing um, my journey about my career, who I am as a person. And I am an advocator for women, not only because I am a woman, but yeah. because there's just a lot of underestimating that's going on, especially in today's time. Mm -hmm. um, you can think of in like criterias of like pay, pay raise or like positions or et cetera. But especially in the basketball world right now, like yeah. there's just a big difference between the WNBA and the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, and slowly it's getting fixed. Slowly we start seeing, you know, NBA stars in the crowds and in the stands of, yeah. you know, the finals and whatnot. But I, I just think that there needs to be a change with the way we perceive women. Um, we are held to a standard that I think is way below what we we have to offer. And mm -hmm. so I think just, you know, playing my role and doing my part in expressing how I feel about that situation. And this is the way I went about it. Yeah. What do you think will like help that disparity, like in all the different areas you think between like men and women, or um, do you think it can be fixed or? I think it can be, um, once people take off their blindfolds to situations um which is like understanding salary rates or understanding like promotion rates mm -hmm. um i think it just needs to be talked about more it needs to be in more conversations um and then those who have the implemented power to change those things i think they just need to stop being so arrogant and do whatever needs to be done yeah, I think people have to like stand up and support stuff too, and mm -hmm. so like people have to start like we talk about WNBA and like NBA, like people got to start like watching the games and going to mm -hmm. the games, and stop comparing so much. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. there's enough money to go around for everybody. Yeah, like, for sure. I don't know. We just stop being so greedy about mm -hmm. things and just allow people to be who they're supposed to be to the world, so that we can make it a better place. Yeah, like me and my dad were kind of talking about that like last week or mm -hmm. so, like men's basketball and women's basketball is different mm -hmm. and like you're gonna get different things from them mm -hmm. but they're both beautiful games and they're both fun to watch and they're both enjoyable Facts. but like you don't have mm -hmm. to compare the two right and so like when i watch an nba game or a male game like i'm gonna expect more above the rim mm -hmm. more dunks and stuff like that mm -hmm. but when i watch women's game like i'm gonna expect more teamwork and more mm -hmm. threes and more movement and sometimes right. even more iq and stuff right. like that and mm -hmm. like they're both beautiful and they're both like fun to watch right and and i know i've seen it like I, with me working in a restaurant like it's not it's expected for an NBA game to be on screens, but like yeah. on shift, I had to go to my manager and mm -hmm. be like, there's a WNBA game on, mm -hmm. like why is it not on any of the TVs? Mm -hmm. And they would put it on, but I just, I don't like the aspect of someone has to ask for us to yeah, put it on. Sure. Like if they're playing, why would we not be playing mm -hmm. it on the TV? Like that's yeah. just mind blowing to me. But I think more of us have to speak up and mm -hmm. like say, put it on cause I want to see it. And like right. know that if you do that, like more people will, will start to watch it mm -hmm. and like gravitate towards it. Right. And I think the media has answered um, a lot though. Like I know some of the NBA players have just like said, like make 
it more accessible to mm-hmm. for people to watch because before sure. you got to pay yeah. you know f- for mm-hmm. the networks to watch and mm-hmm. stuff like that and i think now that like some of them have spoken about it it's it's slowly changing but i think we just got to keep pressing the issue you know yeah. it can't be one thing that we just talk about this season and then never bring it up the next or they'll never get fixed for sure you know we just got to keep pressing the issue but you're 100 percent right about like the places that it's like advertised mm-hmm. like it's not usually on like abc WNBA. Yeah. like it's not usually on espn yeah. like you got to go like hard places to find mm-hmm. it and watch it like and if these big companies would support it and put it on like people were going to watch right. it and fall in love with it right yeah, I think one thing for me too, and like a reason why we started this platform too, is like getting stories out. Mm-hmm. And so, like when people see like the player stories mm-hmm. and like feel connected to them, like they're going to support. And so, we really want to try to tell like these women athlete stories and like have for people sure. like learn about them and mm-hmm. gravitate towards them and, and support them as well. Right. Yeah. Cause like one thing you talked about was like how you overcome like adversity and like how much time and practice you put in. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people understand like just how much time women athletes have put in and mm-hmm. like how many years have gone by they've been in the gym like working on their craft to like get to this point. Yeah, and even comparing like the off season from NBA to WNBA, like I'm not saying the guys don't, you know, work mm-hmm. and stuff, but for an WNBA player to make salary or make enough money just to live, they have to go play overseas yep. during the time that they mm-hmm. should be relaxing or taking yep. a break. And so I just, that aspect, it just really bothers me mm-hmm. because, you know, they need to recover just like the men do. Yeah. They need to be around family just like mm-hmm. the men do. They need to be enjoying, like, the holidays or whatever time that they have to be at home just like the men do. So I don't know. I think if we just press the issue, maybe something will change. Yeah, and it's like no break at all either. Right. Like, a lot of the women, when they're overseas, like, as soon as their season is over, they have to come home and, mm-hmm. like, immediately, like, next week, like, play in a WNBA. Mm-hmm. As soon as WNBA season is over, like, a lot of them are going, like, right back and playing again. Like, it's the all-year-round mm-hmm. thing with no break, which we know is not good for the body. Right, and, like, if you don't make it to the finals, you're going to play for USA. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, which they're doing right now, I <laughs> yeah. think. Like, what, a week after the WNBA yeah. finals, like, some of them are, like, headed over and already yep. playing like at a high level again mm-hmm. and like that's not even talking about like the travel and your right. body and like rest and like the different time zones and stuff like that like it needs to be better for sure yeah and you can see like some of them like brianna stewart too i think that's who it is like she tore her achilles too mm-hmm. like a couple years ago and like mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that came from like not getting enough rest mm-hmm. at least that's part Overworking of working your body yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Next thing we're going to move on to is would you rather, all right? Okay. And so I'm going to ask you uh, like three or four that are basketball related. And I'm going to ask you like three or four that are college related. And you got to pick one and defend it. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. So here's the first one. So the first one is would you rather have cool uniforms with a rundown stadium or a really nice stadium with like some ugly uniforms? And so I know you played at like the JUCO levels. So you've been like all kind of gyms. <laughs> yeah. And you for played sure. like on a bunch of teams with a bunch of different jerseys. And like some of them are a lot better than others. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with oh, this is a tough one. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with jerseys just because you look good, you feel good, you play good. And that's what a lot of people say. <laughs> Says a lot of women, basketball players, but a lot of men too, though. Yep. And so you're going to go with the uniforms and, like, the run-down, like, Juco type of stadium? Hey, a hoop is a hoop. Hoop hoop is a hoop. hoop. What if it's, like, bent and, like, leaning, but you got a nice jersey and you feel good? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with that. Okay. Uh, Next one is, would you rather practice early in the morning or, like, really late at night? Early in the morning. Get it over with. That way you can enjoy the rest of your day. Um, And 
I well for me personally I feel like I'm more intentional with things in the morning versus Mm -hmm. at the end of the day where you know the day just exhausts me and now I have to you know give my all into one more thing so I I would say early in the morning okay I would have said late at night (laughs) like I don't know how y'all do like 5 a.m 6 a.m workouts and stuff like that and like running and practice like (laughs) no And then you got to, like, eat and then go to class and stuff like that. Like, but they say, like, if you get a workout in early in the morning, it puts you in a better mood and gives you better energy for the rest of your day. So, But is that true when you have, like, a practice where you're not, like, necessarily doing all the enjoyable things you would like to do? Kind of because you feel a little productive that you still got up and did something okay. for everybody else. Yeah. Because it's one thing if it was, like, open gym and you're just running with your right. friends and stuff like right. that. In the morning, I'll do that at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. <laughs> but, sure. like, you got a coach demanding <laughs> things of you and stuff like that and yelling at you and, like, at 5 a.m., like, Sometimes, uh, what she signed up for. Yeah, I guess so. That's why you're the college athlete. <laughs> 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 um, next one is, would you rather play a college game, so a normal college game, mm-hmm. with no coaches mm-hmm. or play it with no referees? Uh, nowadays, refs. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to go with no coaches okay just because i've been in some games where things get ugly and referees do need to intervene Uh and as a pg i feel confident that i would be able to run a team if i needed to yeah what about subs and stuff like that though that would be the complicated if you get tired pull your pull your jersey how many people are gonna do that though (laughs) if you get tired you're gonna pull yourself out no okay but i mean (laughs) the starter's gonna start the whole game 40 minutes hey we need 36 um, I don't know how that would work. Um, I would just, hey, you going for her? You uh-huh. make a number of mistakes. I'm yeah. gonna sub you out. Kay. That's that. So you're going with another the hat. I gotta pull put on, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you say no coaches, mm-hmm. and someone on the team needs to be a leader and like make the proper adjustments mm-hmm. and hope they're right. Mm-hmm. But you need structure in the game from the referees. Yes. Um, last one, like as far as basketball. So this one is: Would you rather be an average player with a good reputation? Or an elite player with rumors of cheating. So would you rather be average, but like you're clean and like you have a really good reputation, or be elite, but people are whispering, or lots of people say that you cheated, or possibly have cheated? I'm gonna go with the elite player with a bad reputation, just because mm-hmm. I don't care what people think about me. For yeah. one, and for two, I have the mindset that I want to be the best at anything I do. So yeah. I'm making myself happy by being mm-hmm. an elite player. I thought you would have picked the opposite. <laughs> I thought you were going to say reputation is everything and yeah. like stuff like that. I would go with the elite too, though. Because you may not have cheated, who knows? And right. like, you can say what you want to say. I know the truth, right. but Facts. I would want to be elite, though, and like be the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did good on those. You did Thanks. good on those. <laughs> All right, let's go to academic. So, would you rather have two essays due on the same day or take two tests on the same day? Mm-hmm. Definitely take two tests. Okay. Um, essays, that's a lot of preparation. That's a lot of work. So mm-hmm. to have two done at the same day, that's yeah. that's asking yourself for a lot. Mm-hmm. Or versus two tests, I would work in my time management to study um, whichever one I'm struggling with the most. I would get ahead, then study whenever I need to for the other one. Yeah. You said you don't always, like, do great on tests and, like, mm-hmm. tests aren't always your thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what helps you do well? Um, Again, just telling myself, like, if I've done my part to study for it, all mm-hmm. I can ask of myself is to do my best. Yeah. So 
just do my best. And at the end of it, if I don't like it, I'll talk to my professor. If it's something I need to fix on my end, I'll make the adjustment. adjustment. If not, then we're just going to move forward, just a test. And you talk yourself through that, like, in the moment of doing the test? Yes. Um, What about if it's a test that you, like, feel like you didn't study as much as you would have liked to? How do you Uh, approach that one? Um, I rely on the techniques that I've learned throughout my whole life of, Picking the one that, you know, best makes sense or just trying to remember, like, the um, academic side of, like, what we've learned throughout that whole week or Mm -hmm. whatnot and just go with my gut of whatever feels right. Yeah. I think one thing to kind of piggyback off what you said is putting something down. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if you put nothing at all down, like, you you can't grade it. Yeah, Yeah. you give yourself no chance. But you put something down and, like, talk about what you've learned in class, Mm -hmm. like, the teacher will work with you usually from my experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Next one is, would you rather barely pass your favorite class you ever took? So this is like in the past. Think about the favorite class you ever took. So would you rather barely pass it and disappoint your coaches and your professor? Or would you rather repeat the worst class you've ever taken at the college level? And so your favorite one, like barely pass and disappoint everybody, or repeat the worst one that you ever took. And you don't got to say no school or no professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's a tough one. Um, I honestly would probably just take the barely pass and disappoint everybody. Uh-huh. Um, just because math is my least favorite subject yeah. and I don't see myself retaking something <laughs> that I don't need to retake. <laughs> How'd you get through math classes? A lot of tutoring. Okay. A lot of extra work. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many did you have to take over the course of your now four years? Um, For my gen eds, I had to take maybe two. And then okay. recently I had to take a stats class. Okay. So three. How was stats? Um, I think I got lucky just because the professor that taught it for me, he was new. Like mm-hmm. it was his first year teaching it. Yeah. So he was kind of like... Mm-hmm flexible with the way he taught it the materials we could yeah. use and how he like graded us so i think i got lucky but it wasn't it, i survived it it wasn't yeah. too bad stats is not as bad as like some of the algebra courses and like yeah. some of the higher math courses that's a little bit different mm-hmm. uh-huh so yeah, i'm glad you found success in it thank you uh let's see i think i got one more so here's the last would you rather for college would you rather have a roommate who's messy or have a roommate who's loud definitely loud Okay. Uh, I don't do it messy. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you handle it if you have a messy roommate? Uh, um, I'd be mature about it. You know, uh-huh. let them know. Like, yeah. you live with someone else. Please yeah. be, you know, yeah. aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if things didn't change, I probably would go to higher authorities because mm-hmm. yeah, we're just too yeah. grown for that. Mm-hmm. Have you had that happen before? I have. Okay. And you had to go to higher I did. Okay. Did it work out? It did. It got better? Mm-hmm. Well, I just moved. Okay. So. You ended up moving? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. After the move, it was better, though? Yeah. Okay. 
I want to know more about that one, but we'll get back to that maybe off camera. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's move on to, like, one of the last segments. And so advocating for women's sports and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so you kind of already touched on, like, how we need to do better about bringing attention and having these hard conversations about the disparity between men and women. Mm -hmm. One thing that I kind of want you to share about is just to, like, the younger athletes and the younger girls and women out there. Like, what advice would you give one of them about just the recruiting process and finding the right school? And so I feel like you've been on quite the journey, like, Mm -hmm. finding the right school for you, but it seems like you kind of found the right one now. I would say to, one, take your time. Two, choose what best fits you. And three, that a division rank is not everything. Just because mm-hmm. you make it D1 does not mean anything. Yeah. Um, your value and your worth as a person first is worth way more than what division you can get to. Yeah. Um, at the highest level, they don't tell you a lot of things that it takes from you. Um, so I think just focusing on what's going to make you happy, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like my family told me, you have to go to that school, you have to play for that coach, you have to be around those teammates, you have to do the the school work. So do what's best for you. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it'll make your journey and your process a lot more smoother and enjoyable. Yeah. I think, too, like, not getting caught up in D1 either. Mm-hmm. Like, you reached that pinnacle when you were there and mm-hmm. you gave it up. Even mm-hmm. when Coach said, I want you to stay and, like, try one more year, like, mm-hmm. you're like, it's not the right fit for me and, like, mm-hmm. I'm not happy here. And so I think a lot of girls out there and guys as well, like, they're so caught up in, like, the Twitter Mm -hmm. and, like, the social media and, like, committing to a D1 and playing D1 Mm -hmm. that you got to think about all the other factors that go into a school as well. For sure. And, like, who you are as a person and, like, on the court and off the court. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other advice you would give to, like, young girls out there or young women out there? Um, I would just say stick to who you are as a as a person. Um, the world is quick to change you, to put you know images or opinions in your head, to make you alter who you are. Yeah. Um, just stay your authentic self, stay true to yourself, and always count on yourself because there's going to be millions of people that will count you out. Mm-hmm. But if you just count yourself in, you'll be exactly where you need to be. Yeah, well said. Um, what about like a young woman or a young girl out there who's like going through adversity like off the court mm-hmm. or like living in like maybe a rough environment or maybe not the best environment, what advice would you give them about like navigating that? Um, find what brings you peace and in the midst of those storms run to that. Um, find an outlet, find a person, find a mentor, a pastor, anybody um, that can calm you during a storm and hold on tight to it and run to that. Um, do the best that it's healthy for you. You know, mm-hmm. I know this world is chaotic right now, um, but just find what brings you peace. And whenever you're like in a moment of everything's going left, you know your world is falling apart. Just run to whatever brings you peace. Yeah. And so, remember your why. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like over your journey, from what I heard you say, like you've done a really good job of like doing all those things, and mm-hmm. that those things have like helped you stay on the right path and like help make you the person that you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure. One thing I'll ask you before we get to the very last segment that we haven't talked about is just, like, what are your plans, like, after you graduate college? So what do you think you want to do once you graduate? Um, So I haven't decided if I want to stay in Oklahoma or go back to Texas, but Mm -hmm. I definitely want to um, apply for graduate school. Um, I want to get my master's, but um, eventually once I'm done with school and all, I want to go back home to Amarillo, Texas and start a business where – 
I provide resources for the youth and for at-risk children to have direction um, in Amarillo. If you aren't living a certain type of lifestyle, you're not seen as cool, or um, they settle um, for you know what their body has to offer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I want to implement a business where I can offer resources that you know give you help in finding like what your purpose is, what yeah. you know, what can you do with your life, or what do you want to do with your life and move forward from that because I think a lot of my peers just fell off after high school because it's like, okay, after high school, mm-hmm. what's next? You yeah. know, Amarillo doesn't really prepare you for the world like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think starting with my city first, helping my city first um, with an organization, a nonprofit organization that can help direct the youth whenever they feel like they're being misled, is, it's my goal. Yeah. One thing you said, like, you're very goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so I saw an interview with you, like, from your sophomore year of college where you were talking about, like, going to Butler and things like that. And they asked you, like, what was your goal? Mm-hmm. And, like, your goal was very similar to what you said mm-hmm. back then. So I can see that's still your goal mm-hmm. and, like, you're still on the path. Mm-hmm. And now I even hear, like, you're giving it more detail. Mm-hmm. And so back then you didn't say, like, a nonprofit and you didn't explain right. it as much as you did just now. And mm-hmm. so I love the fact that, like, you still have the same goal and now you're, like, even thinking more deeply about it and, mm-hmm. like, able to articulate it even more yeah I mean it's 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 close it's an arm's mm-hmm. reach so I I'm trying to be a little bit more serious about it um, I've taken classes that are going to prepare me for it and again I've just prayed on it and I know he'll lead me to where I need to be yeah and the one thing I would say too is like with that nonprofit, like don't underestimate the power of sports and, mm-hmm. like, incorporating sports into it one way sure. or another. And For so sure. who knows, like, whether you could be counseling or helping, like, middle school kids who play sports or mm-hmm. high school kids or college athletes or even professional athletes as right. well. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as you develop this nonprofit, like, really think about, like, how you can help the game of basketball and like help in the sports world as well. I think there would definitely be a place for you to like give back to the game of basketball Mm -hmm. since you've gotten so much from it. And just because you know so much and have had so many different experiences. For sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to the very last segment, which is your favorites. And so I'm about to give you a bag that has some of your favorites in it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And so as you open these, you got to kind of talk about... (laughs) Your favorites and like why they are your favorites. Okay. Did I tell you my favorite color is pink? Mm-mm. You guessed that. You didn't okay. give me that. I just grabbed something at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Got lucky. Okay, Texas Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Roadhouse is my favorite restaurant to go to because um, my me and my sister would always take my dad to Texas Roadhouse on his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad passed away May 30th of this year, so Texas Roadhouse holds a very special place in my heart. Yeah. How hard has that been, like, that process? Very, very hard. Um, he was one of the very few family members that constantly texted and said, like, I'm proud of you. Um, keep going. Keep your head up. I love you. So those words during really life, but really collegiate when you're being asked so much, they go a long way. Mm-hmm. So to not have that, it's been a struggle, but I know he has the best seat in the house, yeah. so. 
And like you got everything inside of you that you need. For sure. And so you have him inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know what he would say and like what advice he would give you. So just lean on that for sure. For sure. Okay, next we have Hot Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at Kilgore, these became my best chips. And I really don't know why. I just, they're just not too hot. And they just taste good, so okay. that's why I like Cheetos. They're the reason for that big bag. They don't make them in small bags. <laughs> <laughs> and then honey buns. Uh-huh. Um, these are my favorite just because they remind me of my sister. Um, anytime she would go to the store, she, for some reason, would always bring me back a honey bun. Mm-hmm. And when she first started doing it, she would warm it up. And I know a lot of people don't warm it up, yeah. but I warm it up. I did too. And so How long do you need to warm it up for? It's the real question. Um, I think I warm mine up for like eight seconds. Yeah, seven to eight seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You got to be exact. Facts. <laughs> you don't want it too hot. Uh-uh. But you want seven to eight seconds is always perfect. <laughs> yep. Um, what is this in here? A shirt. And it says, bringing the culture. Mm-hmm. Okay, clutch. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. So Thank that's you so very much. Own bringing the culture was your number for this year and last year as well, and your name on it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. All right, as we close, any final thoughts or things you want to say before we wrap up? Um, no, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. I know I've said it a million times, but it's a humbling experience, and I, I hope you go a long way with what you're trying to do. For sure, for sure. Um, you're a great person. Like it's been great hearing your story in depth. Um, I look forward to seeing you play this year and like seeing your journey. Um, everyone out there needs to make sure you go support Oklahoma City University women's basketball this year and like catch you play. If not in person, like you can find the games online, but mm-hmm. like they need to definitely make sure you're su- you're supported and like your team is supported as you go towards like your tenth championship at the school. Um, I think with that too, like one moment that's gonna be special is your senior night. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna definitely be there for that game as well to catch you on your senior night. I know that's gonna be a really special game. It is. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you have an amazing story and it's like not even close to all the way written yet. And so just keep doing what you're doing and like know you can overcome any obstacle that comes your way. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna close with that. to make better with success i got dues to pay all good things they come to those who wait yeah what i left behind from trying to be great ain't no secret to success if you ain't working if you ain't down to hustle then you don't deserve it if it came easy probably go fast because anything easy probably won't last